Welcome, Middle Church family and all of our visitors. I'm Reverend Marlene, and I'm so glad you are worshiping with us on this glorious day. We are excited to welcome our new members to the Middle family during today's worship celebration. But before we get started, let's take a big centering breath. Come, let us worship God. Middle Church is a movement of love and justice, and today we celebrate with these new members that Middle is their church. They stand before you and before God to say they are partners in this ministry. Friends, just as you are, as you come through the door, we welcome you. Membership means signing on for the vision of God's reign. Membership means participating in the life of the congregation. Membership means proclaiming that you belong to God and you will use your gifts generously for God's work. Membership means claiming God's claim on you. Today, we welcome to Middle Church these children of God. Friends, do you claim Middle Church as your church? If so, say, I do. I do. Will you give them your heart, your gifts to this congregation and to the larger church? If so, say, I will. I will. I will. I will. will you love and share with this community in the ministry of Jesus? If so, say, I will. Oh, well. Um, Will you learn and study so as to grow in faith? If so, say, I will. Oh, well. I will. And to this congregation, do you promise to love, encourage, and support these people of God by being the gospel of God's love and by giving the strong support of God's people in prayer and in deed? If so, say we will. Please introduce yourselves to the congregation. My name is Ibby Carruthers and I live in West Village and I love music and activism as well. I'm Andrea, I live in Texas and I love to love. Hi everybody, my name is Al Brooks. I'm from the Bay Area. I'm currently in Manhattan though. Uh, and I'm really interested in joining Middle because since uh, I first visited about a year ago, it's been clear to me that it's a community that is radically inclusive and committed to the fight against oppression. Hey, Middle family. Uh, my name is Oria Tomeski, and I'm from Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, and I can't wait to meet you all in person. Hello, Middle. I am Mike Sames. I live in Simsbury, Connecticut. I am looking forward to sharing my... Uh, my service and, and gifts with, with you. I'm Sue Sames and looking forward to joining everybody virtually. I'm Jennifer and I live in Vermont and this place is super inspiring. Hello, middle family. I am Mirabeth. I am currently living in Astoria and I am a singer songwriter and I very much look forward to being on the journey of love together. Let us pray. God of grace and mercy, thank you for the gifts of these new members. Thank you 
that we are all your children. Make us more like you in all we say and do and help us to be your hands and feet in this world. We pray in your holy name, amen. My name is Miss Elise, this is Kovu, and this is the message for all ages. Kovu, can you tell me what these words are called? Starts with the P. I know, these are pronouns, but I don't really know what that means. That's okay, that's right, these are pronouns. And a pronoun is just another way that we can refer to people, often instead of using their name. But sometimes people use their names as pronouns. Uh, I don't get it. That's okay, luckily I drew these examples. Now, these aren't the only pronouns that people use, but they do tend to be the most common. People can often use their name, he, she, or they as their pronouns. Okay, this makes sense. So we just use whatever pronoun we think that person uses instead of their name. Mm, well, I still think it's really important for us to ask first so we don't make assumptions. Kovu, what pronouns do you use? He, him. Okay, so we would say, he said hello. I said hello to him. And if we were talking about me, we might say, they said hello. I said hello to them. But why do we need to ask? Can't we just do it by guessing? Isn't it awkward to ask? Actually, it's more awkward when we don't ask. When we call somebody by a pronoun that doesn't fit them, it might make them feel really sad or like they can't trust us. When we use people's pronouns correctly, 
it lets them know that we see them and that we love them. So it's important to ask and not make assumptions. Now, one way we can think about pronouns are kind of like names. Now, your name is Kovu, right? Right. Well, what if I said, well, you look like a Bob and I refuse to call you Kovu. How would that make you feel? Well, I'd feel very sad. That's not my name. It doesn't fit me. Right. And just like we wouldn't call somebody the wrong name, we shouldn't call people the wrong pronouns. And just like we would ask somebody what their name is, we should ask people what their pronouns are. We should always ask and never assume somebody's gender. We should only use the pronouns that people want to use because those are the pronouns that make them feel best. Wow, I had no idea pronouns were so important. Pronouns are really important. Asking for people's pronouns is one of the easiest ways we can let them know that we care about them. So friends, the next time you talk to somebody, I want you to ask what their pronouns are and see what they say and make sure you use the ones that they tell you, okay? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for words like pronouns that help us feel like our best selves. Help us to remember to always ask so we don't make assumptions. Amen? Amen. Okay, friends, let's go sing Sia Humba together. We are marching in the light of God. 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 We are marching. We are marching. We are marching in the light of God. My name is Amanda. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm one of the ministers here at Middle Church. I'd like to let you know a couple of announcements so that you can feel fully engaged in the life of Middle. First of all, I want to remind you of two of the ways that we cultivate care. You can call our prayer line at any time. The number is listed on the screen and press four for English or five for Spanish to hear the Lord's Prayer and a scripture from a middle staff or member. Also, we have a prayer portal for you where you can request to speak to a pastor or request financial aid or for a prayer request to be listed in the bulletin at any time. Secondly, I want to let you know about a day of action coming up next Sunday, September the 6th. From one o'clock to two o'clock, you are invited to join us in front of Middle Church if you are here in New York City that's 112 2nd Avenue from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. We will be administering communion. We invite you to come and wear a mask and safely and distanced receive communion from a middle clergy. Second, you can register for the census. If you have not filled out your census yet or know someone who needs to, come next Sunday to Middle Church where you can fill out your census together. We know how important the census is and New York City is statistically behind the rest of the country in doing the census. Finally, I want to remind you that you can go to middlechurch.org slash virtual gathering at any time to see a full calendar of all of the ways that we are offering programming and care and unique opportunities for connection in this moment. With that being said, I invite you now to join me in a time of prayer. Take another deep breath. Stay
stand up, move around if you'd like to stretch. Feel the very spirits of the living and breathing and loving God all around you. Let's pray now together. Holy God, some of us today may feel like laughing. Some of us may feel like singing, some rejoicing. Some may feel like crying, lamenting, grieving. Some may be filled with anger. How wonderful it is, God, that you hold all of those emotions. How wonderful it is that when we come together in community, we don't have to be all things to all people all the time. So for those today who are weeping, God, let us feel you and feel another who can stand in and hold the tears. For those of us who are laughing, let us laugh for those who need a reminder of the joy that is promised for tomorrow, whenever tomorrow might be. Holy God, this week, we lift up to you farm workers in California who are working under dangerous conditions with wildfires raging, a reminder of the creation that we are not taking care of well. God, thank you for the farm workers who risk their lives underpaid, undervalued, so that we might eat. Help us work for a day when they are valued and when the very conditions under which they work are not rife with stress and injustice. God, we lift up you today, Jacob Blake, for a body who is still healing after receiving shots that are a reminder of the rampant white supremacy and hatred in this country. We ask for your forgiveness, God, and for the continued healing for his body. For the family of Trayford Pellerin, another black man who was shot just last week, we grieve. Help us to be better than this, O oh God, who reminds us that we can and that we must. For those unemployed, unhoused, unfed, we lift up to you. For those overworked, we lift up to you. We're reminded of the power in coming together and reciting the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, which is a reminder of that which you call us to, a reminder of ushering in the kingdom of God. Let's pray that prayer together now. An inclusive version is printed in your bulletin, but please pray it in whatever way feels good to you. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
now, friends, if you worshiped with us back in June, you saw the voices of many of the graduates in our midst, letting us know where they were graduating from. And so as we pass the peace of God this morning, as we are inspired by that peace that helps us continue living, we're going to watch again the voices of the graduates among us as we hold together all of the anxiety and excitement and hopefulness that comes with the beginning of another academic year. Friends, may the peace of God be with you. My name is Shalos and, and I'm graduating from pre-K to kindergarten. Hi, my name is Julia Ayala and I'm graduating from eighth grade to high school at Dr. Susan S. McKinney Secondary School of Arts. My name is Graham Bridgman and I graduated from Yale University with my Master of Divinity. Hi, my name is Carla, and I'm graduating preschool. Hi, my name is Dominic Vizioli. I am graduating from the fifth grade from PS19 Asher Levy campus in New York City. My name is Ness Martinez, and I am graduating from Fulstick Academy's Software Engineering Immersive Program. I am Teddy Baptiste, graduating from um, Kindergarten PS705. Hi, my name is Zane and I am graduating from kindergarten. Hey middle fam, it's Miss Sarah here. I am graduating with my MSW from New York University in New York City. Hello, my name is Henry Gibson. I'm graduating from fifth grade at Louis Armstrong Middle School in Queens, New York. Hey middle, my name is Molly Coleman and I just graduated with my JD from Harvard Law School. My name is Oscar Mena, and I'm graduating with my bachelor's from Brooklyn College. My full name is Eleanor Mary Andrews. I'm graduating from kindergarten. Hi, my name's Carlo Rizzioli. I'm graduating from kindergarten from PS19. Hi, middle. My name is Sylvie, and I'll be graduating with my BA from Princeton University. Hi, my name is Eli. I'm, I'm graduating from kindergarten in, in CWS. Hi Middle, my name's Paul Wells and I'm graduating from the University of York in the UK with a PGCE in secondary English teaching. Hello, my name is Isaac Reesman. I'm graduating from pre-K
Our scripture for today comes from the Odes of Solomon, another extra canonical text. Ode 3, verses 1 through 11. I put on the love of the Lord, and God's members are with God, and I am raised up by them, and God loves me. Indeed, I would not have known how to love the Lord except that God had continuously loved me. Who is able to recognize love except the one who has been loved? I cherish the beloved and my whole self loves God and wherever God's rest is, I am also there. I will not be rejected because there is no suspicion with the Lord, the most high and compassionate. I have been joined to the Lord because the lover has found the one who is beloved. Because I love the one who is the child, I will become a child. Truly, whoever is united to the one who does not die, neither will she die. And the one who delights in the life will become alive. This is the spirit of the Lord, who is not deceitful, who instructs humanity, so that they might recognize God's paths. Be wise, understanding, and awakened. Hallelujah. The words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, virtual show of hands. How many of you have heard the phrase, stay woke? Just like a heart or type in the comments. It's a popular phrase in social justice circles, but let's come back to that in a little while. Now let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> let's start with this text. Anyone ever heard of the Odes of Solomon? Different than Song of Solomon, the Odes of Solomon is a collection of early Christian worship material dating back to the first and second centuries, with most recent scholars pushing it more toward the first century. We have gathered that it was written within the same time period as all other texts in our New Testament. Some scholars think that the Odes were collected from different communities, so there's not one author. The title itself was tacked on later, probably about a thousand years after Solomon, so they would have little to do with him. We have no information about when or where they were discovered. The one full collection we have was found in 1909 amongst the research materials of a well-respected and well-traveled, if unorganized, scholar named J.R. Harris. He never could remember how he got a hold of the papyrus, but we are glad he finally cleaned his office and came upon them. Oh, so kids, actually this part is extremely important. If you don't get anything else from this sermon, take this lesson with you. Should you decide to become a religion scholar, it is very important that you clean your room. At almost a third of the size of the Psalms, the Odes are the largest trove of early Christian worship material ever found in its entirety. It is the actual material from worship of some early Christ movements and represents certain kinds of early Christianity and belief practice and framing of the world. They look and sound like psalms, except the language is Christocentric. While we don't know the origin of composition, the closeness to the psalms suggests strong ties to Israel, and the language of Syriac leads us to Syria. The odes are generally multi-voiced with God or Christ speaking. I imagine very much like a play, a responsive reading, with one person reading one part and another person or group reading the next section and so forth within the same ode. But ode three is different. All we have is one voice singing about the love between her and the Lord and Christ. This love is expressed as unification. 
History and religion scholar Susan Ashbrook Harvey points out that the odes rely heavily on metaphor. The language is used to describe this union between the writer and God and Christ. It's beautiful in its wrestling and authenticity. You can hear the Otis struggling to find the words to aptly describe the closeness of the relationship. It's a merging, a mingling, a mixing, like water mixed with wine. The metaphor reveals the oneness with Christ. Now, we don't know anything about the writer's journey to this point, except what she shares about how she got there. Right at the beginning of this text, we are told that there are members alongside this person. The I in this text is raised up by these members. So then let us deduce that there is a support system in place. There are people who hold and keep this person, who pray for this person, who want the best for this person, who claim them as part of their community. Acceptance is a very liberating thing. Accepting a person is part of the work of loving that person. It is being compassionate. Think about your communities. What does it look like to be accepted in your families, in your church, in your clubs? Who is in them? Who is accepted? Is the acceptance rooted in love? You can hear Johannine leanings in this ode, reminding us of John 13, 34 that says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. The Otis says, I am raised up by them and the Lord loves me. Indeed, I would not have known how to love the Lord except that God had continuously loved me. We love because we were first loved. We learn this love from a continuous past of being love. Biblical scholar Michael Latka also notes the centrality of love in this text, and it's clearly seen in the frequency in which love and its synonyms are used, about a dozen times in 11 verses. He points to a reciprocity of love that transfers the state of mutual love, unmistakably in the past, and achieves an expression of continuance. It is a practice. The Otis decides in the first line to put on the love of the Lord. It is active. What if every day we recommitted ourselves to putting on the love of the Lord, the compassion of the Lord? What if we took seriously the line from the Lord's prayer and actively practiced God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Is it possible then to make faith and hope immortal through the, our union with the one who does not die? The sustaining image throughout this pericope is one of love and what is born because of and through love. The entire overall emotional effect is love that is built on trust. The writer trusts the love of God because it has been continuous. She trusts the community that raises her up. There's no rejection, no suspicion, no envy, nothing deceitful. This love allows the author to feel safe and valued. This acceptance allows for confidence to flourish and learning to happen. Laka writes that the ode stresses the importance of knowledge, which is closely connected with unity of redemption, of salvation, and is expressed in the imagery of love. The rhetorical question posed by the Otist, who is able to recognize love, is the foundation for the wisdom written right above it. I would not have known, except that God had continuously loved me. There is space in this loving and trusting union for us to pay attention, to be alert, to be woke, so that we might recognize the paths that are shown to us by the Holy Spirit. As the Gospel of Luke and Matthew remind us, we must love the Lord God with our hearts, our souls, our strength, and our minds. Ode 3 tells us that to love is to be wise, understanding, and awakened. Be woke, as I mentioned before, is a well-known phrase. It serves as a reminder that there are many insidious ways in which oppression and social injustice exist, so we must remain vigilant and aware. 
woke at all times. It is with our collective consciousness that we are able to release ourselves from the tentacles of racism, sexism, homophobia, ageism, ableism, transphobia, classism, and the list goes on and on. And spoiler alert, they are all intricately connected. So how do we do this work collectively? Particularly in a society that seems hypersensitive and desensitized at the all to same time, that's traumatized, in a society where the question shifts so fast that it seems impossible to formulate an answer. The author of O3 provides a model. This love that creates a oneness with God can be applied to our communities, to our nation, and to our world. That love is built on trust and knowledge. This trust is built and the knowledge attained only when we are open and honest, when we are authentic and kind, when we are aware and when we empathize. It's built when we let time and space into our relationship building. This has to be a conscious push against our microwave society so that we may allow for relationships to blossom. This year we have experienced so much devastation. It is hard to stay present to all of it while maintaining our own selves. It would honestly be so much easier to just tune out. But I encourage you to stay present, be woke, test every spirit and measure it by truth, by justice. And if sometimes you find it hard to find your community and all the noise around you, you can use a trick that I use. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, I imagine some of you are familiar with the popular show that used to air on PBS, yes? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. I keep close to me a quote of his that helps me when we are in the midst of devastation. And I'm not sure where to turn. Fred Rogers would, um, some of you know as a Presbyterian minister, uh, gave this advice for parents to help with their children deal with disaster. He often told this story when he was a boy and saw scary things on the news. He said, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words and I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. 2020 has been one disaster stacked on top of another, from COVID-19 to police violence, from natural disasters to massive explosions. In this moment, it is important to take a breath and as Reverend Rogers said, look for the helpers. They are, as he would call them, your neighbors. They are your community. They are, as the Otis called them, members. They are the ones standing with Jesus, standing with the marginalized, standing with those who are oppressed, standing with you. Look for the helpers and you won't feel quite so alone. You won't feel quite so scared because just like the author of our ancient text, you are supported by these members. You can feel a renewal of your strength that will allow you to continue working from a centered core of love and compassion that aids you in continuing to learn about the different ways in which inequality rears its ugly head in our country and in our world. This love that is built on trust allows us to continue to fight for our collective evolution. This is our starting place and we must start from this place together. It is our communal endeavor. So when you wake up every morning, commit yourself, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength to love a divine love that has been taught to you and your ancestors over the ages. A love that leads you toward awareness. Like our ancient author, make it a part of your daily practice. Put on the love of the Lord so that you too can walk bravely toward the knowledge that will lead you to be wise, understanding, and awakened. Stay woke. Hallelujah. 
As a still fairly new minister to Middle, I find that almost every week there's a moment where I am just overwhelmed by this community. Someone will have recorded a song or a video, written something publicly, taken part in an action, held up a giant stack of postcards they sent to encourage people to vote, and I am just undone. It's all of the things that I dreamed about when I went to seminary, of finding in a church that I might be able to serve. And I'm just overwhelmed by the gratitude that God has led me to find myself here. I hope you feel that too. I hope you know just how special this church is. That it's not like every worshiping community, but truly we are doing something incredible within the walls of the church and now outside of it. And as we approach a new year of programming, I can't wait to find out all the incredible places that God is going to lead us this year. So if you've been attending Middle for a while now, but you want to take that next step, go to middlechurch.org join and you can become a member today. Know that this community is for you. You can find yourself home here. And the other way that you can support this incredible movement for love and justice is by contributing what you can financially. Truly, every single gift counts, no matter the size, because together we all have enough. If we pool our resources, we can be that movement that God is calling us to be. So if you want to make a gift, there are a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can go to middlechurch.org donate and fill out the form there, donate right on the page. You can also, on Facebook, click the donate button and make a gift right in the Facebook app. You can also text the amount that you want to donate to 917-924-4666. And finally, you can find us on Venmo at Middle Collegiate Church. So please, as you're able, give generously, because it's your support that fuels and powers this movement. It's nothing without you. All of this is for you. Together, let's do something incredible. So
bless these gifts that have been given. As we enter into a new year, may they fill us with renewed imagination that we might pursue the love you call us to live more vibrantly and boldly, that we might expand our horizons of what is possible and follow wherever you lead. Amen. join me now in our benediction. God, may we commit ourselves to love. As we start each new day, may we clothe ourselves in love, and may we stay woke. Amen.